0: welcome back for episode 32 in our study of the book of revelation this episode is called the beast from the sea i'm sam bracken your host our teacher is dr breck england who is teaching us about the book of revelation by relating it to the latter-day saint temple experience in our last episode john the revelator saw in chapter 12 the vision of the great dragon persecuting the woman who represents the Church of Jesus
1: Christ. Of course, uh, the dragon that appears in the sky is a symbol of Lucifer, or Satan, who continues to harass us with his appeals to follow him. We learned in our last episode that the constellation Hydra represents the great dragon that pursues the constellation Virgo across the night sky, if you're in a... If you're an expert on this, you'd see Virgo, which is a huge constellation, moving toward the west with Hydra, which looks like a giant dragon, chasing her. So it's very cool. Remember that the woman um, wears a crown of 12 stars and she stands on the moon, (laughs) which has always puzzled people. You know, what, what does this mean? Actually, what John is describing, it's a good description of Virgo, the constellation. Rising high in the sky at the beginning of autumn, she looks like she's standing on the moon. So that's an important thing to remember. Now, John says in chapter 12, verse 17, he says, The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now notice that the woman fleeing into the wilderness can also stand for Eve, right? She and Adam and their posterity are expelled from the garden, and they head out into the lone and dreary wilderness. And that is the world we live in now where we have to put up with Satan's constant efforts to bribe us to follow him. What do you want? He keeps asking. (laughs) What do you want? You can have anything you want if you will worship me. He actually says that in uh, the book of Moses, chapter 1, verse 19. Now, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Why would you resist someone who can make a promise like that? Satan, you mean? Yeah.
0: Well, because, I mean, if you want my just top of the mind answer. Yeah. Well, because the promise that God gives us is so much greater than the promise that Satan would ever
1: give us. It's not even comparable. Well, yeah, of course. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Suppose you didn't know. Or, let me put it differently. Suppose you didn't care. Or, let me put it even differently. Suppose the promise that God makes requires too much from you. How would you respond to Satan's, uh, you have anything you want if you'll just well, I mean, worship me? I mean, that's,
0: I don't know if that's a trick question, but you know, if you could have anything you want, you just get what you want. I mean, it's the path of least resistance. It's yeah. the easy path, but yeah. I don't know if that leads you to happiness, to be honest. I, I grew up in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and uh, if you had these little green paper items that had a picture of Benjamin Franklin on it, <laughs> you could get anything you wanted, literally anything, mm-hmm. I didn't see, you know, I just saw money. Money um, was the oil or the lube that got anything done. It it got everything done. Right. And um, I didn't see it making people happy. I saw it lead to misery more often than not. And maybe that was a blessing for me. I don't know. But when you get everything easy and everything's quick and easy and just gifted to you, you don't learn to, you don't learn to struggle. You don't learn to get stronger. You don't learn to have faith. You don't you don't, you don't become a better person. <laughs> you know, I was listening recently to, um, to a thing from Jordan Peterson. You know, people think what they want to think about him, but he talked about Abraham, you know, the first 80 years of Abraham's life was pretty easy and then all hell broke loose. So he became a great nation because of the opposition and we become good people because of the opposition and the rewards are far more eternal and far more, um, far more expansive than anything that Satan can offer. But, you know, that takes time because there's a veil, a veil of forgetfulness put uh, between us and the the, the pre-existence, right? So we don't know. We have to believe God's word and we have to to take it on faith, you know, and you have to pay the price to be able to do that. But if you're just like a standard person and Satan's saying, I'll give you whatever you want, you're going to take the bait. Most people will take the bait. And therein
1: lies the struggle. You can have anything in this world. It's pretty... Pretty provocative it is provocative and it's drawn a lot of people um draws me <laughs> and me too it draws you yeah we end up making all kinds of compromises and sometimes we worry and wonder uh, whose path are we actually on and i have had occasion in the past to wonder that myself or myself whose path am i actually on yeah me too well satan is determined to make this world his kingdom. When he was thrown out of the Garden of Eden for tempting Adam and Eve, he he made an announcement. He did, I remember. And the announcement was um, that he would enlist two powerful forces, two powerful forces to help him, right? Number one, tyrants. Number two, religious oppressors, false priests. In other words, he would enlist the power on the one hand, of politics, and on the other hand, the power of religion, right? Right. Tyrants and false priests. Right. He's going to take plenty of capital, and he's going to buy up these two forces. Take money. Yep. Buy them up. And in the book of Revelation, these two forces are symbolized by two beasts, two animals. Uh, the Greek word for a beast is therion. Which, uh, which means a wild animal, an untamed animal. Okay, And starting in chapter 13, John finds himself on a sandy beach. It's a vision of a, of the ocean. He's standing on a beach. And a beast rises from the sea. Now this beast is uh, a strange creature. It has the head of a lion and the paws of a bear and the skin of a jaguar. I don't know what... But a different things. Yeah, all it all it is is a composite image of fierce animals, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also, it had seven heads, which, which means it you know unusual. And More for each day of the week. Yes. <laughs> to torment and, you. Yes. Seven heads and ten horns on each head. Oh. Okay. And, and upon the horns, ten crowns. Wow. So this is an unusual vision. And upon the heads of the beasts was the name of blasphemy, which is, you know, an attack and mockery of God. So what does this beast represent? He represents corrupt political systems. And why do I say that? We know, we know that it's political because it has authority. Um, John says uh, the dragon gave the beast authority. And royal crowns. And a throne to sit on. And in verse 7 of chapter 13, we learn that it rules over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. So this beast is not just one government, it's all. It ascends out of the sea and it rules all nations. Why does this beast come up out of the sea? That's a good question. In the Bible, the sea, symbolizes the people of the earth. Uh, Isaiah compared the sea to, quote, the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas and to the rushing of nations like the rushing of mighty waters. That's a a, um, quotation from Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12. The corrupt governments of the world arise out of a sea of corrupt nations, okay? Mm-hmm.
0: so why the seven heads and the ten horns and all the crowns like that gets up there in number
1: <laughs> well in chapter 17 verse 9 which is later we find out that the beasts seven heads represent seven hills and seven kings mm. it's another polyvalent symbol it has right. it has different meanings right 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 but John specifically says it represents seven hills and seven kings. Mm-hmm. And now that's traditionally been taken to refer to the Roman Empire hmm. because Rome, you know, governed the world, governed the world that John lived in. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, Rome was famously built on seven hills. Hmm. They speak of the seven hills of Rome. They always did. Um, yeah, cool. And by the time John wrote Revelation, the empire had lived through seven emperors. Oh, Okay starting with Caesar Augustus and moving up to seventh in the line. But we also know that the numbers seven and 10 both symbolize completeness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, the authority of the beast is supposed to be worldwide, All right, it's, it's, com- it, it's completely in charge of this globe, All mm-hmm. right, The beast has seven heads and each head has 10 horns represent horns represent power so that gives you 70 nations seven times ten and we know from the Old Testament that uh, there are 70 nations of the earth uh, we get that from Genesis chapter 10 Noah Noah had 70 descendants that are named there and they represent all the nations of the earth. Oh, wow. Okay. So the 70 horns and the crowns and so forth represent the rulers of all nations mm-hmm. and represents um, tyrants, oppressors, um, dictators, totalitarians from all ages and all times. And this is a pattern that we are all familiar with. Okay, mm-hmm. This beast is anybody who uses unrighteous dominion, okay, to, quote, exercise control or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men, close quote. And that's from Doctrine and Covenants 121, verse 37. Now, Joseph Smith said this, whenever God sets up a kingdom on the earth, Satan sets up a kingdom in opposition. So it's always, you know, there's always butting heads. Mm -hmm. Satan uses this fearsome beast the symbol, to enforce his unrighteous dominion. And Revelation 13, verse 2 says, quote, the dragon gave the beast his power and his seat and great authority. So the power of the beast comes from Satan. In the Joseph Smith translation, this beast is called, quote, the likeness of the kingdoms of the earth, so Joseph Smith is saying, okay, this beast is a symbol of all the kingdoms of the earth. It's a symbol. It's not a real beast. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the dragon gives the beast an authority which claims sovereign and permanent power over the whole globe. Remember, he says, this is my kingdom, my mm-hmm. greatness, and my glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, this This pattern of seeking power goes all the way back to the family council in heaven, yeah. right? Right uh, In all his pride, and arrogance, uh, Lucifer is a control freak. Mm-hmm. He, he can't tolerate being powerless. He's got to be number one. He has to take priority because of the envy and ambition and the arrogance in his soul. But ironically, he is powerless now to do anything that God doesn't permit him to do, right? Mm-hmm. He has no power over us that we don't give him. Mm. So his strategy has to be to lure and seduce and try and trick and flatter and make empty promises in the hopes that we will give him control over ourselves. Mm. Uh, And once we give in, Satan does have great power over us. Now, over the centuries, this pattern of the beast, the beast from the sea, has always been to seek control, to seek empire, and, and you go from Cain to Nimrod to Nebuchadnezzar and um, Alexander, Caesar, Hitler, okay? Um, Genghis Khan, the pattern is always the same. Satan offers these empire builders power and glory and riches if they will follow him. And he convinces them that they are better than everyone else. That their tribe is superior and um, deserves more than other tribes do and uh, what tribe hasn't sometimes felt like that mm-hmm. right 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 think about uh, the nazi uh, you know um, the master race right or right the roman the noble romans saying it's 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 uh, fate that we control the world right, right. Us because we are because we are great or white supremacy, you know, I and mean, right. keep those blacks down, keep them in their place, right? Because they're not as good as we are. And that's frankly what white supremacy is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, they deserve, We deserve more than they do. It's the attitude of Satan and the attitude of, uh, these, of, the, of the sea beast. And ultimately, they declare themselves to be gods.
0: So the sea beast represents wicked governments that take people's freedom
1: away. No question about that. John, John lived in the Roman Empire, which was one manifestation of the sea beast. Um, note, by the way, that the Romans conquered Greece and Asia by sea. So uh, as far as John was concerned, this beast came from the sea. Right, okay, okay. that makes a lot of sense. And, and, uh, and a Rome system of enslavement and plunder uh, dominated the whole Mediterranean world. Its blasphemous Senate conferred divinity on Caesar. Rome inspired terror with horrifying exhibitions where wild animals would, would be let loose to maul people in the Colosseums and in the, in the Hippodromes and so forth, including Christians. Mm-hmm. Right? And one scholar says this, and I love this quote, the beast of Revelation who is leopard, bear, and lion could be read, as an amalgamation of such animals used for Roman spectacles, pointing um, quite literally to the beastly powers of Rome.
0: It makes sense that those animals which killed Christians and others, the amalgamation of those animals were yeah. represented in John's vision and was right. coming out of the sea. Exactly. That's, very cool.
1: That's, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, very cool. So we don't need to be mystified by this animal, this, no. this great beast, which is actually a comp- composite beast. Yeah. It's estimated that more than four hundred thousand people and a million animals were slaughtered. Oh wow! In the Roman Colosseum alone, over over a few centuries. Wow! Yeah, of, of Roman power, so, so these atrocities. Well, they made popular theater. They were and just for people, entertainment. Pe- people paid money to come and yeah. see this. There's, the thing yeah.
0: that crazy is crazy to me is that that was just entertainment. To yeah. See,
1: and so the people worshipped the beast, right? Saying. Mm-hmm. Who is like this beast? They would pay to watch the beast destroy. Okay, And that's why they're called tyrannical destroyers.
0: Mm -hmm. So the sea beast represented the Roman Empire. Yeah, Rome was only one
1: manifestation, the beast. Jacques Allule, the French theologian, said this. The beast is not one particular power. It's rather a more general, constant power. Uh, It represents entities across history that control nations, through tyranny and corruption. Remember that in the, in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar um, dreams of successive empires uh, crumbling to pieces, right? And in Daniel chapter seven, he actually sees a vision of fearsome multi-headed beasts just like John does, symbolizing earthly kingdoms, right? They stamp each other into the ground. Mm. So across history, countless tyrants act on this Cain principle to murder and get gain.
0: I want what you have, so I'm going to take so it. I'm, I'm going to harm you, and I'm yes. going to take it. and
1: you're, you're standing between me and your gold, <clears throat> and so as far as I'm concerned, you're just a piece of meat, right? Right. Okay. So the beast from the sea represents all of that. So does the sea beast
0: appear in the sky, like the dragon constellation that represents Satan?
1: Yes, in the, in the sky, the beast rising from the sea is the southern constellation Cetus, C-E-T-U-S. Okay. To the ancients, they looked up, they said Cetus as a sea monster, mm-hmm. quote, undulating its scaly body aloft upon a spiral of coils and splashing with such a belly as drives the sea beyond its proper shores when it appears from the waves. That's a quotation from a, a book on, uh, on astrology. And the sea beast is also called the chaos monster. Mm. That arose from the watery um, abyss, the Tachon, in the Old Testament. The Sea beast is called Leviathan, or the Hebrews would say Leviathan, but mm-hmm. we we say Leviathan, which is a Hebrew word that means wreath, mm. a wreath like a wreath on your door. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's round and it's uh, it's like a wreath around the planet. Leviathan is mm. okay. Uh, it encircles and strangles the whole world. Job, the prophet Job, called this Leviathan uh, king over all the children of pride. That was his. Oh, wow. That was That's in Job chapter 41. Only God can control this beast and will at last overthrow him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, the beast serves a purpose. Mm-hmm purpose is to test and try us. But Isaiah says that at the last day, uh, 27, one, quote, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Mm. So see, this, these symbols are very old.
0: Very old. Revelation 13.5 says, There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So there's that forty-two again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, and and what does the number forty-two mean? It, It stands for our mortal journey here on earth. That's right. It means that throughout our mortal test, Satan will continue to run his so-called kingdom and his greatness and glory, okay? He's he's such a great guy, okay? Right, right, right. (laughs) And he's so in charge. And that's why Jesus calls Satan, quote, the prince of this world, Mm -hmm. okay? Because he kind of runs things. Runs the show for a while, yeah. Uh, Or at least he thinks he does. Yeah, that's true. Okay. But the beast... Uh, reigns only within the bounds the Lord sets for him, right? The 42 months, okay? Mm -hmm. Although he deludes himself that he is almighty and eternal. Kings have always done this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, right? Oh, yeah, Um, behind the green (laughs) curtain. Yeah, behind the curtain. Pay no attention.
0: Yeah, Yeah, pay no attention behind the green
1: curtain. Uh, Anciently, the king of Assyria um, had a title. uh, that He called himself, quote, And I love this. The mighty king of the universe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The mighty king of the
1: universe. King of the four regions of the whole world. Viceroy of Babylon, king of Sumer and Akkad, most precious scion of Assyria, seed of royalty of eternal days. He had a high opinion of uh, himself. He had a very high (laughs) opinion of himself. Uh, An interesting note. In his statues, the king of Assyria was always shown uh, standing on an image of a dragon. Is mm-hmm. the foundation of his power, which yeah. I think is interesting. Yeah, very interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah. And likewise, the Egyptians, right, uh, believed that Pharaoh quote lives eternal among the gods, right. enduring, living forever, quote unquote. Which right. is, of course, Pharaoh dies like anyone else. Yeah. But right. now Joseph Smith said this, and I always like the beasts are spoken of to represent the kingdoms of the world. The inhabitants whereof are beastly and abominable characters; uh, they are murderous, corrupt, carnivorous, and brutal in their dispositions. Joseph says these kings are no better than the people. Right, right. right. Okay. We have to say that not all governments are guilty. Right, right. right Some governments actually do strive for justice and okay. equity. They don't serve the beast. Right. Or at least they try not to. It's interesting to me that the Constitution of the United States, for example, was designed specifically to prevent the beast from taking over. It was designed to prevent tyrants from taking over. That's true. Right? Yeah. From anybody having too much power. Right. Okay. Um, So a government that strives for justice and equity is not uh, obviously part of this picture. But tyrants certainly belong to that picture. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So if the beast stands... For all tyrants. What about tyrants in the home? Well, that, that's an interesting insight you just had there because there's tyranny everywhere, right? <laughs> right. Tyr- I've, I've been a tyrant in my yeah, own home. Tyranny before. in the home. No, Not something I'm proud of, but. No, no yeah. question. Even in our homes, yeah. some men act like tyrants. Mm-hmm. Maybe some women do too. Mm-hmm. But it's usually the guy who acts like a tyrant. And in our time, the word patriarchy, for example, has mm-hmm. earned a bad name. Mm-hmm. It should have a good name. Should so should matriarchy, right? Both words should have a good name, but but they don't. Why does patriarchy have a bad name? Because of the abuses of mm-hmm. men, right? Who who think who think they're you know in, in charge and who right. they should be serving their families and and their communities with love unfeigned mm-hmm. as Doctrine and Covenants says, but they do the opposite. And that happens, and it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. According to the, uh, the Centers for Disease Control in this country, one in four women are victims of abuse by men. Oh, that's okay. not good. That's, that shows you that tyranny is everywhere.
0: Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now in Revelation, the image of the mother fleeing into the wilderness, right, fleeing from the dragon, that's a perfect picture of the long, sad history of the brutalization of women and children. Jeez. Too many men, too many of us fail to recognize the difference between righteous and unrighteous dominion. Yeah. And you can slip from the one to the other really fast. You can,
0: you can. That's a powerful message you just shared. Right. Very powerful. Reminds me of my childhood. And verse 4 says, all the nations worshipped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Why do the people
1: worship the beast? That's a good question. Why? I think it's because of the desire for power and gain, which goes back to uh, Cain. Maybe it's because the beast has dominated the world for so long that that we accept it as natural, right? We just say, oh, that's the way it is,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Um, Politicians, you know, governments, you know. We've gotten used to to the grotesque inequality and um, injustice. And we've gotten used to mass merger and yes. and even genocide. Jeez, yeah. There's a book out there which is a very good book called Fixing Failed States. And in this book they say, quote, in a period of unprecedented wealth. Vicious networks of criminality, violence, and drugs dominate much of this world, while billions are locked into lives of misery. And at times, the beast has moved successfully, even against the church, mm-hmm. taken it over. It says uh, in verse 7, chapter 13, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So the saints not long after John's time, were overcome right. by the beast. Right. I suggest that's what happened in Roman times.
0: Yeah, that's the beginning of the apostasy. Yeah, when, maybe.
1: when they started, for example, selling church leadership positions right mm-hmm. to, to the highest bidders, that is a mark of priestcraft. That's mm-hmm. the end of the priesthood, the end of the church. Mm-hmm. However, um, the beast's dominion will not last. Um, we know that power was given him... Continue forty-two months, right? Right, forty-two time periods, denoting the period, the period during which the the dragon will have power on the earth, a period um, in which none will dare molest him or make him afraid. Okay, so one of the dragon's two chief supporters is the sea beast and Leviathan, the power of tyranny. But there is another one. There's two. There's another one. It's like the Sith Lord. There's always two. Always two there. Right. Are, right? This is the religious leaders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? And we're going to hear about about the other beast in our next episode. I
0: know. well, thanks for your time.